This episode of The Sleeper and the Bust is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 17, the most authentic baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. This is the Out of the Park Baseball you've been waiting for. Not only does Out of the Park Baseball 17 feature its trademark baseball strategy immersion like no other game out there, including nearly 150 years of baseball history in a single package, it now includes the MLBPA license for the first time along with the returning MLB.com license. This means all the real teams, players, logos, ballparks, and more. You simply cannot get more authentic. There are so many community-driven features added this year, we can't list them all here. But a few highlights include accurate 2016 opening day major league rosters, accurate major and minor leagues with authentic names, logos, and rosters dating back over more than a century, an all-new historical exhibition mode that lets you realistically play teams from any year and era against each other in a single game or series. If you want to take those 2001 Mariners who won 116 games but ultimately disappointed when they lost in the ALCS and pit them against the 1954 Cleveland Indians who won 111 games but also disappointed when they lost in the World Series that year, you can now do it and see which one's better. Accurate representation of 2016 MLB faces showing their emotions and aging over time thanks to the MLBPA license and face gen technology. Beautiful improved visuals on and off the field, plus so much more. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount off of the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER17 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 17. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER17, that's SLEEPER17, at checkout for a special discount and to help support Sleeper in the Bust. And now for the episode. Welcome to episode 323 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, March 23rd. Those of you who are smart will notice it's the second March 23rd episode for The Sleeper and the Bust, but this is coming out on Wednesday. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this evening by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going, man? Yeah, it's weird to record on the same day you listened to the earlier show. I listened to it on my flight from uh, uh, Orlando to Atlanta on my way back to Charlotte, and I heard the bit about the the unnamed uh, person who recommended Matt Moore to uh, who said Matt Moore was looking good to Eno, so I had to play twenty questions. But you know, did you to get, get it, it out? out? I actually got it in the first question. Very nice. Very. I had nice. I had a, I had a hunch who who was the source, which made me feel even uh, even better. He also gave us so, credit, by the way, which was nice. That's true. He gave us That's credit true, for talking about talked and then about got the it tale confirmed. of two seasons. Yeah. We have talked about the tale of two seasons with Matt Moore. And, and one of the things that's kind of weird, you know, I watched some of the highlights of the, the game against Cuba, and that was that was a different Matt Moore than I'm used to seeing. Maybe it was the camera angle, but the breaking ball looked like it was the old was was like the breaking ball we haven't seen in a while. I mean, that thing was going 11 to five and falling off and he was getting a lot of swings and I'm sure the Cubans haven't seen a guy of his caliber, but I don't know what it was, but there were some ugly swings on that breaking ball. And I, I only caught an inning of it because, um, as y'all know, I was sick yesterday, but I have it on, uh, uh recorded to, to, to watch more at length. 
probably tomorrow, because if I don't watch it tomorrow, I probably won't watch it. But uh, for as much as I heard, as well as Matt Moore did, I definitely want to go back and see it, because I heard similar to what you're saying, just that he looked totally filthy. But I hear you. Uh, that's a good point that you say, though. They probably haven't seen anything like that. But at the same time, I really think he's clicking right now. And Matt Moore is somebody who should be skyrocketing up your board. And, so. then, again, and then, I mean, James Loney hit a home run off a left-handed pitcher. So, I mean, it, it really just blew my mind to see Matt Moore throwing a curveball, James Loney hitting lefties. It was like bizarro world. And maybe that's maybe that's because everybody down there is driving cars from the 1950s. <laughs> I was laughing. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm friends with most of the writers on Facebook. So I'm getting pictures from Roger Mooney. His taxi was a 1952 Dodge pickup. Oh my god! I mean, they they flew Eastern Airlines. And if you if you're not a travel junkie like me, yeah, I don't even know Eastern, what that is. I remember flying Eastern Airlines when I was a kid, coming between Houston and Orlando after my parents split up to go back and forth. Eastern. I mean, I think it went defunct in 1985. Oh my god! I chal I, I challenged the guys down there. I said, while you're down in Havana, find me a Blockbuster Video. They have to be open. They've got, I mean, it's just the time warp that's down there. It's yeah. so crazy. But I'm excited about Matt Moore. I know we'll talk a little more about him, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, uh, that was probably the highlight of my week, and when I got the five bucks on Matt Moore and nobody went six, I was like, you fools. I think we both fist-pumped, <laughs> and it wasn't even my team. I was running the AL board. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Tout, AL, and NL, because obviously you were in the AL, and then you ran the chat for the NL, so you got a good feel on both of those. Uh, the league that I was in, the Tout Wars, head-to-head uh, mixed auction, actually Jeff Zimmerman and I, who was also in that league, he and I are going to talk about that tomorrow. So uh, getting a lot of podcasts, got to make up for that lost time. So I'm gonna have three in two days. You should do more. I know. I, I don't. I don't do nearly enough. And and I was a guest on John Halpin's podcast today. So I've, I've technically done three on Wednesday. <laughs> I'll do another one tomorrow. So that'll be four in two days. Like I said, I had to make up for lost time. I hated being down. If you could pick a worse month for me to miss a day and a half to being sick, and basically two days because the other half of Monday, uh, my computer was on the fritz. So yes. March is the literal worst month that I could miss two days of, of work, essentially. So I got to make up for the lost time. We're going to dive right in. We're going to talk some AL talent. Jason, first off, I want to direct people, if they have a Rotowire subscription, they should go read your recap. It's absolutely fantastic. It's they don't even need a subscription. It's free. Oh, it's okay. I didn't know it was on the free side. I made it. I made it free. That's so. It's really good. It's, and on that note, well, thank you. And on that note, if you go to the Tout Wars website, everybody else who has written a recap of their draft is linked on the main ToutWars.com website. So if you want to see what other people thought about their drafts, go there as well. By the way, I love that they collect all of those, and I'll be writing one on my on my mixed head-to-head uh, -head team at some point. They collect them all, and you kind of get the different views. It is a lot of fun to read. If you like that sort of stuff, you'll love it, and I honestly I'm not just blowing smoke. I think you did one of the best, because you give your thought process, and it's a lot easier to kind of glean from it. You know, it's it's hard to take too much of what we read here and, and put it into your auction, but just to go through the thought process is what's useful to me, and so I thought you did a great job with that, and obviously we're going to talk about some of that today. Uh, but if if folks want the real details, I think you went 3,200 words on it, and it was absolutely tremendous. So let's start at the top where where you where you did, um, and talk about your plan. What was the strategy going in? Uh, this is something you alluded to. You had one key plan that you alluded to uh, before you even went into the draft room that you gave away a little bit about speed. But what was what was your game plan going into that room on Saturday morning? Okay, so you know, I told you, and I told Kaz, and I, I, I told a couple of people in in, 
and confidence that I was, I was going to come into the draft and address speed early. I mean, when I went back and looked at Tout Wars in the last five years, I have finished no higher than ninth in steals. And we're not going to rehash all of my crap last year <laughs> and, and why and what I did because I'm tired of, of looking backwards. But needless to say, I have not finished any higher than ninth in stolen bases. And and it's because I typically tend I, I try to avoid in the last year I ended up rostering Jared Dyson, but I tend to avoid rostering those type of the empty steals, the Alcides Escobars and the types like that. Uh, and then or I'll end up getting one of them late, but I don't end up paying the the big dollars to get some of those other guys. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to here's my plan. I'm, I'm going to get if Jose Altuve, I, I think I ended up in the middle of the room. I was going to try to sit next to Chris List, but um, there was a, a, a podium. Uh, and towards the back of the room. And, you know, me, I, I'm a standing desk Love guy. It, so, yeah, so, you know what? I'm That's going great. to the back corner. Yeah. So I so I was, about, I was the sixth person. I was next to uh, right in between Ron Chandler and Steve Moyer was on the other Steve side. Steve Moyer on the other side. So I was I, I, my plan was I was throwing at Altuve uh, if he wasn't already thrown up before me. I was going to try to get him. And if I couldn't get him, then I was going to shift my money around and go get Delano DeShields, who I think, uh, you know, you look at Delano DeShields because it's an OBP league is on. On base, he had the double-digit walk rate, the stolen bases. Let's not forget he did all of that last year, basically skipping over AAA and a lot of double-A baseball, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was rushed and had to play every day, and he still was able to um, to do what he did. So so when Altuve went out, my plan, I had $30 budgeted for tra- Jose Altuve. What, you know, but I'm not I'm not a guy that's going to sit there and say, I have $30. I'm not spending $31. Uh, in fact, I think I bid $31. Yeah, I think you did. For $38. And once he blew past that, again, we both kind of gave each other a look because I knew that that was a key part of your plan. And it was like, ah, it's just not going to happen. Folks are going crazy for him. And we get it because Altuve is a beast, but it was surprising to see him get all the way up to 38. I was, I was stunned. So then I was like, okay, I know I'm not going to get him. So let's try to get the, Desh- I think I ended up getting the shield shortly thereafter. Somebody named the shields, but I, the, the safe part about it is I was going to get either, either Altuve or DeShields, and I was going to get Lorenzo Kane, And I felt like I was in the driver's seat with Kane, even though a lot of people know I love him quite a bit. You do? If, I mean, if you're going to, if yeah. you're going to price enforce me, I may stick you with him. <laughs> Too. That's so true. You then, will back yeah, off of your guys. I will back off you. I'm not. I'm not locked in, especially because, I mean, and I wrote about it in my article. Lorenzo Cain's the guy I liked, but he was not the only one. There was George Springer. There was Carlos Gomez. So any one of those three. So I think the next time around, I threw Lorenzo Cain out. So it's just one of these things where I'm going to do this, and uh, so I end up getting Lorenzo Cain below what I had him valued at. But I was fine walking away from him because, again, I wasn't locked in on a guy i was locked in on a skill set so if you don't get the altuve and i i'm not a jason i'm not a believer in jason kipnis as, as even a jose altuve Same. light and so i'm like okay shift let's go over this direction and that's why i went there but if i didn't get kane i would have gone after gomez and i think gomez ended up going first uh, i i wrote about it because i went back and looked at the order the guys were going but uh, the way I ended up ha- getting to Kane because Springer went higher than I was willing to pay and Gomez um, maybe Gomez ended up being with Kane fine it just worked out I was I was thought maybe Glenn and Rick um, would drive me up because I mentioned the article I'm listening to the them talk about the labor mixed draft or no the talent mixed draft the one that was online a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. that Eno was in yes and they're like Jason Klutz favorite outfield they, knew, yeah. they, I was like, oh, they were, man, they this were is all gonna hurt. over it 
all over. Yeah, and so, he, he ended up yeah. getting him for 27, though, which is a perfectly fair price when you consider Gomez was at 29, Springer was at 33. Now, Springer should be the highest of that trio because it is OBP and he's got more punch. But I'm not sure in an OBP league that Kane and Gomez should be too far apart. I would have paid 29 too. I know you're listening, but if somebody was said 28, <laughs> I would have said 29. Hell, I may have even jumped into 30. They could, have milked, those, they could have milked those bucks out of you and maybe cost you one of your sleepers, who I'm not going to spoil. We'll talk about later. The guy you have in your swing role that you're loving right now because of some great news out on him. So those are your two centerpieces right there, to Shields and Kane. You got your speed. You even got a little bit of punch with Kane. And I'll tell you what. I actually think the Shields, not not that he's going to be like a huge power source for you, but I think he's got more power than he let on last year. I think he had like a 2% homer to fly ball he rate. Exactly and he hits that. the ball harder than, than that. He deserved better than that. So his two home runs could really jump up to seven, eight, nine area. And that's that's a nice little boost there because you're only getting him for the speed in the OBP anyway. And you saw what I projected. I mean, I wrote the, the projections in the piece. I put the projections that I that I put down. So what I did for projections is I took I took the depth chart projections that we have at Fangraphs mm-hmm. and then as my base. And then from there, if I didn't agree, I adjusted them. I looked and said, you know what? Now I'm I think there's more here. I'm going to put more steals or, or for fewer home runs, or I'm going to add more strikeouts because I thought they were low on projected playing time or I'd bump up their playing time. So the, you know, there was a couple of things that I did there, but if you, and then when I looked at it, you know, if, cause I use Rotolab and if you guys have never used Rotolab, I, I cannot recommend that software enough. It's phenomenal. So, cool. so easy to edit. And then you can do a uh, player, player valuation method, or you can do the standard gain point. And I went back and used the last couple of years of data. And I understand Tout Wars has only been OBP the last couple of years. So as you set the SGP, you can only use two years of data. But then I am terrible with first names. The guy, he writes for us at Fangraphs. Who does the smart fantasy baseball? Oh, Tanner, Tanner Bell. Tanner, thank you. Tanner, he, uh, he's got a great worksheet on, on the Smart Fantasy Baseball website. And it, uh, you put in your historical. You go down there and say, I want two years of data. These are my categories. You put your inputs, and it gives you your points, which you can then go and put over in, in Rotolab. So that's how, and so go check out Tanner's sheet. Tanner, thank you for being an Excel wizard. I'd never be able to figure that out. Side note, uh, amazing <laughs> addition to the Rotographs team. He just joined this winter. He's he's just great. great oh, his, great his guy. Excel spreadsheet, uh, the next straight draft I'm in. The yes. Excel's the one he said to make, make your depth chart. I couldn't retweet that piece enough because I was like, man, that's so easy. Wow, that I never even he thought made about it doing it like so that. So easy. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to include that in the show notes because it is but a yes, great. Yes, get link to that. Go find that. But link to that. So I did that. So that's where I got. That's where I got my values. I looked at. Said okay, last couple of years, if you want to gain this much, and this is what the stolen bait, and this is what the value is at. So that's. That's everywhere that I went um, to put everything together was to go that route. And so you can see on the projections, you know, I had shields, the shields down for eight homers because as, as I was looking at one of the things I thought of was like, okay, that's a 2% home run rate. And that first home run didn't come until shoot, July. Mm-hmm. I think one of them was off the race. That's yeah, what he was I on zero for a eight, while. I, in fact, I think one of them was off Matt Moore. Uh, so, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he hit a home run out of nowhere, but and again, I, I've got to give the guy credit for having a double-digit walk rate, having faced very little advanced pitching in his career because of of the slow crawl up the of the Astros system. And I remember, you know, I went back and listened to the episode that you and Eno did a 
talked about comparing average versus OBP, OBP players and, and the chip on the shoulder um, bit about the Shields. And that's a story that we heard at Arizona Fall League a couple of years ago. Um, and I remember it. I, you know, I haven't heard anything of his recent behavior that's changed my mind. Did he struggle against right-handed pitching last year? Sure, he had his issues. But you know, I'll go back and, and talk about Josh Donaldson. Oh, he, why, why are you taking him high? He couldn't hit right-handed pitching. You know, Danny Valencia couldn't hit right-handed pitching coming into last year either. All of a sudden, Danny Valencia is mashing right-handed pitching. Breaking them. And you might have found the key, by the way. Well, let's take a little tangent on that because it's something that Eno and I talked about on uh, the earlier episode today. Mm-hmm. And I said we'd follow up because um, you and I reached out to Dan Farnsworth. Well, we got some uh, word back from him. He said he's not seeing any mechanical changes. And so the two of you kind of saw some. You said that you were looking at heat maps. What did you notice about Valencia that might actually be the key here? So I'm playing with heat map tools that, that you fools don't have access to. Sorry, you jerks. fools and listeners. Sorry, you guys don't have access to it. So it's not like we can go out and 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 share it with you. So, but we're looking at it and we, you know, I'm, I'm looking, okay, show me slug, show me, show me slugging percentage on contact. Um, you know, if that way, so if you may see some guys like Jason Hanselman who writes for me at, at uh, writes with me at the process report, he'll call it slug con S L G C O N. And so you're looking at slug on context. I said, okay, show me slug on content. And there was like these big red, red spots up in the zone. Those were and they were fastballs. So it's like, if, if, and I want to say that we talked about this at some point during last season because I remember looking. I remember I was having one of these deja vu moments. Like I feel like we've talked about Danny Valencia and him hitting right-handers. And I think I, when, as I was did, looking at this heat map, I'm like, I swear I've looked at this. I was probably skeptical but as hell. If you me, maybe brought it up before then. You should be. You should be because when you look at it. So I, what I did is on this tool, um, folks, you know that you can split it up so you can you can compare. So what I did is I said, okay, show me Danny Valencia versus right-handed pitching from the beginning of life to 2014, and then show me last year. So we're talking about 200 and something, 200 and something uh, plate appearances versus 1,200. So you know six times the sample size, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then, but last last year, what stood out is if it was high, he was letting that bat fly. And and then you see, and plus you're seeing a lot. When I looked at the spray chart, it's all over the field. Now you mostly you think of Danny Valencia, you think a guy that's going to pull the ball, but on those high fastballs and especially stuff up and away, he was getting it and just hitting it that way. So it, so when you look at why did that batting average grow for him against right-handed pitching? If he's willing to hit those pitches out and away the other way, that's going to help, especially because he's traditionally known as a guy that pulls the ball. So you're going to give him three guys at the, at the left side of the infield. You throw me out in the way. Guess where I'm hitting it? So it just looked like it, the knuckleball rules. You know, you see it high, let it fly. You see it low, let it go. You know, let it let it let it fly as in your bat fly. And it seems like that's what he was doing with high pitches. If you were trying to climb the ladder, you better get high enough because he was getting um, getting on top of that baseball and taking it the other way. So I want to I want to see it video. I didn't have a chance to see video. I had a few minutes to take a peek at the air at the airport, looking at the heat maps. And so I said, OK, now I know where to look. Let me go find. And this is where you can combine tools. So a tool that all of you guys have is Darren Willman, uh, Willem's tool over at uh, uh, Woman's tool over at um Baseball Savant. Uh, 
baseball savant. So you can go there. You can say, hey, show me Danny Valencia. Show me show me pitches in the upper half of the strike zone. Show me fastballs in the upper half of the strike zone against right. You have all the filters you want. And then you could even say, show me the ones with media. So it shows you the video. And then you can go and click on it. And he's got a little video window that opens up. So that's something you could do. And that's really where it, this is where you got to combine the numbers, the heat maps, the tools you the tools you have access to the tools you don't have access to, uh, you know that's where you have to listen to folks like us or read other people that have access to those kind of things. But use what's available to you, and and we'll get to that in a little more. We'll get to that in a little bit as well when we talk about my corner. But that's one of the things I looked at with Valencia. So yeah, so we're looking at at Valencia here again. You don't have him on your team. This was just a tangent, just to kind of follow up. But I would have drafted him. It, 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 honestly. It's changing my tune a little bit. If this is his new approach and he's just he's going to let it fly on the pitches that he can do damage with, again, it's carrying over in the spring, and that's what's really caught my eye. I, you know, I kind of dismissed last year a little bit, and I said, ah, 31-year-old breakout against righties. I don't was, think so. Yeah. But, but crushing in Arizona it. now, he too. For Toronto. He killed it for Toronto. You looked at it, you said, okay, this has got to regress. Then he comes to Oakland and just continues <laughs> And by the it. way, uh, Oakland had so many guys, or t- Toronto had so many guys, they had to just let him go free. Yeah. Like they're like, oh, we're too good. Sorry. I remember when he was DFA'd. Everybody's like, what? They're like, oh, then we're like that kind of validated our fact that, oh yeah, he's got to regress. I mean, it's you know, Toronto just can't let this dude go like this, and they did. Mm-hmm. Well, that happens sometimes. Uh, we're seeing that mentioned. We mentioned Delano DeShields. That kind of happened in Houston. He he was let go via Rule Five. Now I know there was some personal uh, situations there where maybe he was a little bit disgruntled, and maybe it was easier for them to let go. But that's too big a talent to normally let go for free, but they ran into a situation where they had to. So uh, let's get back to your team now. You got you got the speed established. You got your two speed guys there. Obviously, that wasn't all you were going to get, but that was the base that you needed. By the way, I, I got to commend you on kind of going back and looking for your weaknesses. I don't think that's something that people do enough, and you've actually spurred me to do that in a couple leagues that I've been in for a long time that I'm just not having the success that I want to in. I've got a couple leagues where you know I've won once here and there and you know can maybe generally finish in the money, but I'm not having the success I want to. I'm looking back now, trying to see the categories. Do I consistently struggle somewhere? So when you had that revelation, I was like, damn, that's really smart. And I think anyone who's been in a league for a couple years should really do that. Thanks. But we we should because we all fall into tendencies. And especially if you've been in a league for a while with the same folks, you know where they're going to go. Like back in my old home league, I knew that Brian and Drew were going to go stars and scrubs because they always did. So if I'm going to look at my hitter values, I know the top end guys are going to go for even more because there's going to be at least two owners that are going to go stars and scrubs Mm -hmm. uh, in that kind of thing. Or if you're when we get to NL Tout Wars, I'll talk about some of the tendencies I know in that room because I used to play in that league and I know the people in that league, even though I don't do it, I'm in the chat room every year. So now I, I really, I feel like I'm a part of that league. Cause I know that I know what people are going to do um, for the most part in there. And same thing with AL, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, when you look at Steve Moyer's team, you know, you saw what he did in labor where he spent $240 on hitting. I had a feeling I could tell about four picks in. He's doing the same thing here today. Yes. You know, he, he's going to blow through it. So I'm like, okay, when I, especially when, when Jose Altuve went 38 and I'm watching him and he was one of the guys driving up that price that, that, and that this was, again, this was the sixth player off the board. I'm watching Jose Altuve go and bowing out and he and Seth are going into it. So I'm like, okay, 
that that put my eye on Steve. Like, okay, he's willing to pay above the prices for the hitters. He's going to go and then about four. Once he had rostered four players, that made up my mind. I'm like, okay, there's going to you know he's going to go that route. So some we're going somebody's going to have to shift it unless I'm willing to pay the big money for the bigger bats, which I really wasn't because Altuve was that guy. That, that was your I guy, go, and you didn't want anybody else over thirty. That's why I'm going pitching because I had nobody else over 30. Uh, you know, again, I would have probably gone to 30 for Kane or Springer, uh, maybe not Gomez, but you know, that's that I had that $30 slot budgeted for outfield one. So once I knew those other guys were happy, I could see that was going to happen um, in there. And then, you know, I know Laura typically invests the most in pitching and he did again, even though I spent quite a bit on pitching, Laura still outspent me in pitching. So you really have to go back and look at the tendencies of your league. no, know who's willing to go the extra dollar on guys. And, you know, in, in Tout Wars, it's a little different because we're all published somewhere. We all know who we like and who we don't like. And hell, some like, guys like Lar post it. Um, you know, he gives you all a little cheat sheet every year, does a blog post at Masters Ball. It says, these are some guys I want because he's like, you know what? I'm going to get my guys. I understand that they might know. They might drive me up a buck. What's that? He gets at least half of them every year. Exactly. And then, like, I know. Yeah, you know, I, I I already have Robinson Cano penciled in on Rick and Glenn's team. It's just not how much in. you're going to pay for him. Yeah, it, it, yeah, not even. I mean, it's already on the spreadsheet. It's just like that. <laughs> like, okay, how much money is it going to go for? It never changes. He's always there. I want to say it's six straight years. It doesn't matter. I think so. Uh, so I, I strongly encourage folks to go back and look, see where you've fallen, see if you're, you know, if, if there's been you know, ten, especially in reset leagues. I mean, keeper leagues is only so much you can do, but if True. you know that. You're tending to do different things. You're spending a lot on saves. Are you getting the return on investment? You know, you know what the definition of insanity is: doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So, if you keep buying saves because everybody else is, are you really getting the return on investments? I mean, you don't have to do that peer pressure. Exactly. Um, you know, I talked about it last year in Towers. I spent twenty-five dollars on three relievers. I spent. I finished second place in saves. So. On the pitching side, you mentioned you want to get a tier one pitcher, a tier two pitcher, a tier three pitcher, and then just kind of round out with $5 or less guys. How did that work out for you? And was there a shift once you didn't get Altuve? I think you kind of hinted at that. So what ended up happening on the pitching? And then we'll go position by position on your offense. So actually, this, let's let's not forget the shift happened the second player into the auction because <laughs> Chris Sale was the second guy thrown out. Uh, Chris Sale went for $33 at labor. So and that's one of the advantages that we have in Talent Wars is because, I mean, it's the hitting doesn't line up because it's average versus OBP, but the pitching does. So for the most part, and this is something, you know, this is something I've done over the years is I've tracked I have the labor prices and I'll sit there and I didn't do it. This, I, I did it on the computer this year, but in the past I've had a sheet of paper and I will sit there and just like plus two minus mm-hmm. one plus. So I can see, okay, you know, is there anybody that's going out of the, out of the whack uh, from labor bids? So I know, okay, Chris sales, $33. So the only reason I ended up with Chris sale is because somebody said 30, somebody said 31. And I was like, Nobody's the second player in the draft is not going for a two dollar discount. And if I throw if I say thirty two and somebody goes thirty three and I'm trying I don't remember who bought him for thirty three in labor. I don't know if they were in the room or not, but I'm like, he went thirty three in labor. So the worst thing that happens is somebody pays thirty three and I don't get him. The other, the other, I mean, the best thing that kind of, you get them for thirty. The best thing, well, the best thing that happens is somebody says thirty three and I don't get them. The worst thing that happens is I end up with the best pitcher in the American League for a dollar discount. Yep. And it was Lar, by the way, who paid thirty three. Somebody who you mentioned okay, so spends on on pitching. 
he, so he was in the room and he did outspend. He spent one hundred and ten dollars on pitching. So so then I'm like, OK, because my plan was I wanted to buy one of Archer or Carrasco. That was that was my my tier one, my pitcher one spot. The next spot, I wanted to buy one of Carlos Carrasco or Felix Hernandez or Garrett Richards. And then and then three was like a Taiwan Walker, Justin Verlander, Colin McHugh trio and then four five and six were a whole bunch of names any one of them would have done mm-hmm. um so i was looking for six starting pitchers i was looking for one bona fide closer and two speculations is is what my plan so when chris sale falls me at 32 i'm like okay that obviously takes me out of the carrasco and as much as i didn't want to do that because you know he's our young guy he's but our boy i'm not again i I'm, I'm a believer in don't get locked in in names and letting other guys go at a discount that early in the draft. And so I made a risk and I made a play and it didn't work. But again, the worst thing in the world that happens, I have the best pitcher in the league. So I'm like, okay, that was $8 more than I didn't want to spend on pitching. So, but I've spent it. So, you know, do I, do I cut out the tier one and tier two that I had planned for and then just do sale and maybe do a, a Tywin Walker and a Colin McHugh or do the other three. And then I thought to myself, you know what? no, you know, everybody tries to win. It's like we're conditioned to spend 70% on hitting and 30% on pitching because we have to have the offense. Well, pitching keeps getting better and better and better. Yeah, and, that's and all, you know, all we keep talking about is how more stable it gets, and yet we still have this 70-30 exactly, split. I'm sure you listen to it. I mean, Chris and Jeff were talking about in the radio Monday. I'm listening to it, and Chris is like, you know, I went back and looked the last couple of years, and pitching has been the more has been the more stable component. The hitters, the top-end hitters, people have been hurt, this and that, but the pitching continues to deliver. And but I'm sitting there thinking in the room, okay, I've got the best guy in the, in the thing, and if I can get a Richards um, or or Salazar, you know, all of a sudden I'm staring at 450 on the on the high end, 500 strikeouts. Right? I love your pitching, by the way. So you got Sale, 32, and so then... then I ended up with Salazar shortly thereafter for 20. Perfect. All of a sudden, and then I get Giles for 18. So all of a sudden, I'm at 70 dollars on three pitchers, which is typically what I've spent. You know, 75, maybe one year I spent 81 or 82 in pitching, but I've never spent more than that. But when I looked at it, I was like, okay, now I've got two studs and the stud closer that I wanted who had a better outing today than he's had the rest of the spring. I know it's been garbage, but they look good today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got those three guys. And then I felt I felt fine with the bottom end while while the AL is missing some of those top heavy, you know, the starters. It's not as deep as it is in the NL. The bottom starters, fine. I mean, there was like six other guys I wanted to roster, and I I got the three that I was really targeting in the bottom three. I mean, I wanted Walker, and I paid full price for to get Walker. I love it though. Uh, Twelve bucks, it's worth Carnes. it. I wanted Carnes. I talked about him the first pitch forums how much i like that guy i wanted matt moore because he's looked so good this spring um which on the heels of looking so good in triple a and so good once you know when he came back from being demoted and you know all of that and then erasmus ramirez was a given you want to talk about a guy that was born for my team i was <laughs> screaming last year when pot wars are one up me pot wars had the hammer last year late and, and threw. i late. put one dollar on oh it was so bad last year because i threw out erasmo at one one dollar i think you texted so like, me about it at the time I mean, too she's like uh two and i was like i hate you <laughs> oh so yes i mean erasmo was destined for my team so i was able to get that trio for 14 dollars and that's really good by the price, way and i was so i'm happy and then so i ended up spending a hundred dollars on pitching which and and then we talked about Moyer earlier, who spent 240 on hitting. 
Moyer and I have got a very healthy trade relationship. We have done some things in the past where it's like, hey, I need a pitcher. Um, what do you got? I'd be like, I'll give you – I'm just making it up off the top of my head. I'll give you Verlander for Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, that works oh. for me. Cool. Yeah, you know he's he's easy to trade. So he's got two hundred and forty um, uh, dollars in hitting. He's got he doubled up on catchers. Uh, just I mean the catcher pool in the AL is very shallow, and, and he, he doubled. Up on it. He drowned that pool by getting he Martin passed. and McCann he for uh, thirty-seven. So you know all those different things. So you know did I plan on going into the thing and spending one sixty on hitting and one hundred on pitching? No, I didn't. But I was able to execute most of my plan. Um, and then you know when you when you end up having to go um, shoestring budget on hitting, you know, I, I got the speed and then I, I think I've purchased enough power. Obviously that's going to hinge on a few things. It's going to hinge on Byung Ho Park mm-hmm. hitting. Well, and this is what the point I wanted to get to earlier about the, um, you know, all we have are the numbers to look at. You have, we have numbers and we have scouting reports and you read Dan Farnsworth report on park. Very glowing report. Um, you know, you read the stuff that's at Baseball America. They like them. Um, you know, Jeff Erickson has bought Park in just about every league that I've done, either an auction or a draft. He was and he was the one angry when he oh, yeah. didn't get him. And it wasn't. And, and he was a guy that I was targeting for the power. I knew he was gonna. I knew he was gonna cost me twenty dollars. The only mistake I made, well, maybe it wasn't a mistake in hindsight, but I, I was the guy on the odd numbers. So I said yeah. seventeen. Jeff said eighteen. He said I should have said twenty. My fear was he was going to go 21, and, and I didn't want to do yeah. 20 was where I was, so I was like, you know what? Let me let me go ahead and say 19. If he says 20, I'll go 21 and make him say 22. Um, so that was that was the the thing there. Uh, but yeah, I, when I'm looking at it, we've talked about it. And we talked about the team. We know the the contact may be an issue, but the power's big. And, and the OBP could be there then too. I want to watch, yeah, because he knows how to take a walk too. I want to watch that Twins team a lot this year. It's going to be fun to watch because just so many so many cool skill sets to watch in that team. So let's go position by position here and talk about how you did it because I really, you know, again, I'm not just blowing smoke because you're my boy, but I love this team that you put together. I think you had a plan. You were able to alter the plan when, when the initial plan didn't work. And the fact that you spent on pitching – I don't think it shows in your offense. I think your offense is still really strong here because you got some great power assets. Let's first talk about the catchers real fast. Um, you ended up with J.R. Murphy and Hank Conger for a total of four bucks, three for Murphy, one for Conger. Don't have to go too deep on these guys. You originally were going to go with the Chirinos Ionetta uh, duo, uh, scrap that, well, actually, ended up going yeah, cheap. Or that was a uh, it was going to be a Chirinos or Ionetta. Oh, okay, okay. For the catcher one, and then Navarro Fegley. Conger and Sanchez in no particular order as a catcher too. And so then um, those other guys, I assume that your your pitching splurge took you off of the Chirinos or Ionetta because they were both going to be a little bit more expensive. They went than nine. They, I had budget. Yeah, I had a budget of seven bucks, and they went nine, and they got the nice. I think I said seven, or maybe I said eight. I tried to go after Chirinos. I mean, I've got them in my home league. I have them in another league. You so me I on think I him. said seven. I think I said seven or eight, and somebody said nine. I'm like, I am not paying $10 for this guy. Nah. Forget it. Forget it. And I ended up with Murphy because somebody said one. And I said, yeah, two. Um, and I never would have said anything higher. And then Conger, I threw out at two or one, and nobody challenged me on it. So I'm like, okay, fine. I mean, the worst thing I have is I've got the guy that's going to be hitting the right-handed pitchers um, when he plays for Tampa when he plays for Tampa Bay. So ideally, I would love me. I projected 13 home runs for that duo. I would love to get a little more than that. 
Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so it, a perfectly solid combo there. Like I, like we said earlier, Moyer drowned the drowned the already weak pool a little bit, and then Seth Trackman doubled down on drowning the pool by getting Vote and Perez. So at that point, the rest of y'all, uh, the only guys you could really go for were like a Gomes, Weeders, Chirinos, Ayanetta. Those were the only ones who cost anything, you know, remotely close to to a, a, a or Blake Swihart. Um, so instead, you just said, let's go cheap because you were spending your money on the power, speed, and pitching. Let's move over to your corners now. You already mentioned Byung-Ho Park. He's your first baseman for $21. You got uh, Marwin Gonzalez for 6 bucks. I know you regret that one a little bit at third base because of the flexibility it cost you, but he himself has a ton of flexibility. So I still like it at 6 bucks, even though it's probably peak value for him. And then your corner is a pure power play, Mark Teixeira, at 20 bucks. You're hoping to at least get a dollar a homer, if not uh, 30 homers, if he can stay healthy. And, and, and you know, we, we talked about when we, we did the first baseman, we talked about the regression that's going to hit Teixeira because he had a 23% home run to fly ball ratio. Career is like 16, 17. But that's built in. I mean, I, I forecast, I look at 29 homers. But he gets on base. He knows how to get on base. You know, in, in the average league, I'm not paying that price for him. Exactly. But in OBP league, I will. And so, uh, and with the as long as he's playing in that ballpark, as he is for one more year, I will. I mean, the Gonzalez thing. I ended up. I think Jeff and I, uh, Jeff and I, were in the bidding for that too. And he qualifies at all four infield positions, and that's going to be tremendous. So if I lose a shortstop, I can move Gonzalez over there, and all of a sudden, I'm not having to pick up some crappy shortstop. I can go find a third baseman, maybe where that pulls a little deeper, uh, or something like that. So it, it allows that kind of flexibility. I always like getting one of those types of players back when Zobrist. That's how I ended up with a two-dollar Zobrist. Um, my first year in AL Talent Wars, I ended up with a two-dollar Zobrist in 2009. Um, one of the best picks I've ever made, <laughs> but it was, it was great, and that's how obviously, that, and that's how it works. So that's that's where I did. I just was like, okay, I'm gonna buy power there, uh, and I know Park was I Park was a guy that I was targeting. I, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie there. He was, but Santana was one of the other guys I was looking for. But Park was Plan A and Plan B, and somebody else was Plan C. All right, let's move over to your middles. Um, I like this crew as well. Everyone knows I like Jonathan Scopes, so it shouldn't be any surprise uh, that I— A good piece of Baltimore sports life, by the way. Thank you. I posted that today, kind of like what a breakout season would look like from Jonathan Scope. I could see a 30-homer season if, if, if things really came together for him. He's shown the pure power. So, again, that's another power play that you had to balance out the fact that you'd already had your speed. You got D.D. Gregorius, another guy that I think can really take a big step forward this year. Scope was 10. Gregorius was 11. And then Steve Pierce at 2 bucks has that sneaky middle, and I don't think everyone in the room realized it. In fact, I know they didn't because I heard a couple guys say, I didn't know he could go at middle. And so for 2 bucks as a middle – I mean, that's really sharp. What did you think of your That was always field? that was always he was always the plan because with you know for folks that don't know Tout Wars uses a 15 game qualifier and Pierce played 18 games at second base last year. So I knew I I knew there was a chance that some people were going to overlook that because if we think back when you and I were t- on this show, we were talking about Chris Davis. I was like, why is Chris Davis in the outfield? Oh my God, he played 30 games in the <laughs> outfield last year. I had no idea. Well, I forgotten I had forgotten before I sat down to my research that Steve Pierce played 18 games at second base. So all of a sudden, I'm like, well, hell, if he qualifies a second base, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna sit on him as long as I can, and then I'm gonna try to sneak him through late when everybody else is doing something. Maybe they're trying to chase speed. So scope is not somebody I tossed. He just when I had him down as a, uh, um, I think he was at nine, and I was it was really 
power. I was like, well, I'm still trying to, I want to buy it. This was the phase of the draft because I did one of those videos with Matt Deutsch, the producer. And I had done one of the videos in the hallway. I was like, I've bought my speed. Now I'm coming in to buy power. And I bought park. I bought to share. I bought scope all within like 15 picks of one another um, along those lines. And then Gregorius, I wanted Brad Miller, but a bunch of people in the room apparently wanted Brad Miller too. Yes, and I really wanted, I really wanted Logan Forsyth, but Logan Forsyth went $17, and I thought I was the biggest Logan Forsyth fan in the room. I was wrong. Everyone has bought in on Logan Forsyth, it seems. Yeah, holy crap. That was big. Hey, so listen. I was hoping to get him because he's going to hit at the top of the lineup. Um, you know, and I've, I've made a, the point that he is a better table setter than he is a, than he is a, a cleanup guy. Uh, the numbers bear it out. He hits better with nobody on base than with runners in scoring position. He has better quality at bats when the bases are empty, that kind of thing. So I think he's going to do really well, and he's going to qualify at second. He's going to end up qualifying at first. Uh, he's going to get some time at third. I, this guy that I really wanted to get, um, and that didn't work. And the Brad Miller thing, I mean, I was a Brad Miller fan while he was in Seattle. He didn't even have to play for Tampa Bay. You know, those were the guys that I had written down here. Neither of them worked. They both went higher. And so I just grabbed the guys that I thought were good prices. Even though you wanted Forsyth, you should probably take some credit for him going that high because if it wasn't for us talking about him, talking him up, then he might not have gone that high. And by the way, I will say, you mentioned that you were on Brad Miller before he got to Tampa Bay. We were on Logan Forsyth before he got to Tampa Bay as well. We liked him his last year in San Diego. Now, he sucked that year, so we can't really take credit for it. But we've been Logan For- we're, we're Logan Forsyth hipsters. We, we've been liking him for quite a while now. So yes. um, let's move on to your outfield. And we already mentioned Kane and DeShields. Obviously, those are your two mm-hmm. primaries. Now, in tout, it's only four outfielders because there's a swing man who can be any hitter or any pitcher. So they only go with four outfielders. So in addition to those two, you got Corey Dickerson at 17 and Michael Saunders at 6. Talk to talk to us about those two guys, Dickerson and Saunders, at a total of 23. I, I didn't toss out either guy. Uh, and that's really most of the most of the auction. I tossed out guys that I wanted. Typically, that's not what I do. Typically... I have gone out there and said, you know what? I'm just going to throw sponges out there that are going to soak up money. Mm-hmm. And then I said, you know what? Forget that. I'm just going to. So I started th- most of who I threw out is who I wanted. But Dickerson, he came in that part of the draft where I was looking for run producers. So I'm looking at, you know, I have him down as an $18 guy. I think the, the fact that he's moving from uh, Coors Field to Tropicana, sure, it's going to the batting average is going to be affected. He's never been a strong OBP guy, but I think. A lot's being overblown uh, with him because he's a guy that's got power to all fields. He also gets a hit in Yankee Stadium. He also gets a hit at at uh, Baltimore. He's going to hit at Fenway. He's got a, and he's going to hit in Toronto. He's got a lot of favorable parks to hit in within the division too. It's his worst park is his home park, and so but he's going to hit in the middle of that lineup. He's going to have Forsyth and Kiermaier and Longoria uh, in front of him. He's going to have other guys behind him. Uh, so I. It's really tough to let a guy that's that's slotted to hit cleanup go at a two dollar discount. So I said, you know, seven. I would not have said eighteen, um, but he came to me at seventeen, and so be it. And then Saunders was another guy. I had a Saunders on my team last year, and he got hurt in camp, uh, and then took forever to get back to my roster, and that sucked. It but I paid was ten bucks to be for a him. Quick, a quick comeback too, and it never, it just he never got right. But isn't he raking again in spring? 
getting all of our hopes he's, up again. He's hitting. He just he's hitting. He may end up hitting high in that lineup behind Pilar right now. Pilar's the leadoff hitter. Saunders could maybe hit second. Mm-hmm. If not, Saunders hits down the lineup. It doesn't matter where you hit in that lineup because there's bats up and down and all around it. Exactly. You're gonna you're gonna end up and it's again great home park and and three fifths of his divi- the parks he's gonna visit at division are good for him too. So it just happened to be like okay, some he was gonna go five and I'm like I had this guy down as a nine dollar player. I'm not letting him go for five bucks six and then nobody else spoke up yeah I, I i honestly think that people are overreacting to dickerson leaving um coors and otherwise you wouldn't be getting him for 17 bucks i thought that was a good purchase and then the, the buyback on saunders you know you're betting on the health but the cost is is definitely right so those four outfielders there again you addressed the power and they each chip in a little bit of speed as well and they shouldn't be too bad for the obp i know you had to go low on on uh Dickerson's OBP projection, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was even higher than the 312 that you gave him. So your utility and swingman are uh, Mike Napoli at 12 bucks, $1 a little lower than you had projected. You were ready to pay 13 for him. And then Tyler White, $2 rookie uh, that, you, that you jumped in on for Houston, and he's not getting any of the love. It's all about A.J. Reed over there. And White yeah. is somebody who should be getting more attention. And thankfully, I think the buzz is about to start picking up. And thankfully, you got him before that buzz picks up because oh I think there God. was an article that you showed me today that's kind of leaning toward him being the starter. And if we do this draft just this weekend, one week later, I bet he's five bucks. Oh, I bet he's I bet he's more than that. We're talking about a starting first baseman. Uh, yeah, I'm, I bet you he's going uh, closer to ten dollars just because, you know. Getting before we go to Tyler White, Napoli. I had he's another guy I had last year as well. Napoli was a guy that I paid 17 for last year, but I had him last year, and I went after this year. I ended up with him because I wanted Byung Ho Kim or Kim. Uh, maybe it's not Byung. Maybe it's Byung Ho Park. Byung-ho I don't Park. know if it's the same Yun-Soo first name. Kim. Okay, Hung Soo Kim. I wanted him. Because, again, he's going to hit lead off for that team. Strong OBP skills. I wanted him, but Podhorzer had the hammer at that point in the draft. And Podhorzer, I, I tried to buy him, and Podhorzer kept one up in me. I'm like, forget it. I don't have this money. It's going to it's going to affect other parts of my draft if I go and spend getting a bidding war with this guy. Because Podhorzer, he told me afterwards, yeah, I had to have him. I was going to keep going, too. And I'm, not, I'm like, no. So I, I knew once he was out of that, everybody else, I, I knew I could go get Napoli. And then with White... He was a very, very late toss for me. He's a name that I just had down because, you know, the he, you look at his minor league track record. He's got a career 420 OBP, I think, in the minor leagues. Nice. Uh, he destroyed it in, in the Dominicans uh, Winter League. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing a uh, um, something. There was something on Facebook. Kevin Goldstein was like, you know, people tell you that certain players shouldn't be drafted. And here we get this guy in a 33rd round out of Western Carolina, and he's absolutely destroying the ball. He was our player of the year. You know, all these different things things and you hear the people say he's a right-handed Matt Adams body type but it's really impossible to look at those numbers and what he's been doing in the minor leagues and then you know Dave Cameron wrote an article on the on March 14th saying you know bring him bring him to Houston with you Uh, Gaddis is dinged up Singleton sucks bring him to you so I was like man I'm not gonna be able to sneak this guy then like Friday yeah, there was another piece about him, and I was like, well, I'm just going to – he's the other guy. Pierce and White are the two guys that I'm going to sit on as long as possible and try to save a couple of bucks and see if I can get them. So I threw them both out at $2. And taking, I, I, I didn't want I didn't want to say one and somebody else say two, and all of a sudden I'm like, great, i got to pay the extra bucks exactly. that I'm already tied on. So I threw both of them out at two, got them both at two. 
um, and thrilled to death that you know, the news just keeps getting better about Tyler White. Um, and uh, we'll we'll see where that goes. But by the way, it's it's it's, it's he's having such a good spring and nobody else is. No, read read to the minors. Read to the minors seems almost a given, and Singleton as well. Huge minors. Huge, uh, huge minor league numbers, huge spring. You mentioned Matt Adams, and that's funny because I was going to mention, um, I was going to mention Adams specifically. I was going to mention how Lunau was at, at the helm in St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, drafting those late round guys that they kept popping up and having turn into quality players. Matt Adams being uh, primary among them, but Cardinals just kept getting these guys, and it's guys like this Tyler White, a college guy who's kind of off the beaten path, Western Carolina. Most of you probably don't even know that that's a school. Thirty. Third round, and all he's doing is freaking raking. Probably has what's considered a bad body, and it's like, okay, you know, that should push him down a few rounds, but probably not the 33rd round when he's hitting this well. So I thought that was a prime pickup that's really going to suit you well. His worst, his worst OBP at any level is 362. That's unbelievable. Last year in the minors, he hit 284, 415, 426 in double A, then went to triple A, hit 362. 467 and 559. That's crazy. That he could be a monster in that lineup, even if he's hitting like six or seven, a little bit buried. He could still be a monster. Maybe he doesn't, that maybe he doesn't have the power. I mean, that's the thing. The thing where people are down on him, he's like the 15th. You look at baseball America, he's like the 15th rated prospect there, but it's because it's a super deep organization. Exactly. Hell, he'd be the he'd be the top rated Angels prospect. I don't care <laughs> what it was, but so they have a tough time projecting him for the power necessary to play corner. Yeah, but you so, don't need him to do that. Guys, I know, but how many guys, if you look at the major leagues right now, how many first basemen can you project that's a lock for 20 homers? It's not as many as it used to be. It's not the Thank automatic you. power position anymore because teams are realizing if they get the power elsewhere, then they can sacrifice some of it at first. They're they're realizing that the team composition can be spread out a little bit differently. So if he is getting you uh, getting on base at like a 370 clip in the majors and hitting 275, then, okay, we just don't need him for power. We'll get our power from Springer and Correa and Gaddis and um, who else am I missing? Rasmus. You know, they'll get. If go, yeah, if he goes the other way, maybe he becomes, you know, Gaddis came up. Everybody was like, wow, the power, but he doesn't get on base. Well, maybe maybe with White, it's like, well, he doesn't have the power, but oh, my God, he can't keep this guy off base. And then you smush him together and it's a superstar player. You know, when, when, when they kind of add both of their lines together, it, it's just a total superstar. So, yeah, I really like that pickup. He's definitely on my radar now. I do have an AL-only league uh, coming up soon, and he will have a star next to his name. Now, the last couple guys that we didn't get to talk about is the the rounding out of your bullpen. You got Ken Giles at 18, and then both Danny Farquhar and Sam Dyson at 2 bucks a piece. That Sam mm-hmm. Dyson one, first off, Eno, I think he promoted you to lead editor of the Fangraphs front page, which he doesn't have the power to do. I just thought it was kind of weird that he did that, but that's how much he loves Sam Dyson, that he just thought that since you bought him, you have to get a promotion. And we tried to tell him, you know, Jason doesn't need that promotion, so we got to get him off that. But he loves, loves Sam Dyson. And you know what? Right now, he's angling toward being the closer because Sean Tollison has a bad back. And so not only did you get... Dyson, who's angling for some of the work in Texas, but also with Brad Boxberger going down, it's between Colomay and Farquhar for two bucks. Has anybody been, has anybody said that it's definitely Colomay yet? 
No, nobody. And here's the thing. So, you know, Dyson, he was on my list of guys that I liked. And it was a list. It wasn't a name. Rick and Glenn threw him out for a dollar when they were in dollar days. So I was like, I'm saying two. Sorry, boys. Um, but I, he was on my he was on my list of guys. And so that list also included Trevor May and, and Liam Hendricks and, and Fernando Salas and Brett Cecil. And, you know, there were different guys in the name. The column A, because of the Boxberger, the Boxberger news broke what? Friday, right? Yeah, yeah it broke Friday. I was in the air and somebody had tweeted at me like, hey, is, is Colin I going to get some saves? I'm like, yeah, a few. Like, and then why? I'm like, what happened? I searched my, oh, hell, okay. Um, and I, I'm, I'm taking Kevin Cash at his word that it's going to be a committee thing for early on. But I will, I, I told some people this over the weekend. Think back to last year. Jake McGee never got that job back. Nope. And he's a you stud. Know, he never got that job back. So whoever gets it is going to hold it. And my thing I weigh that bit of information against the fact that Cash and Silverman have been adamant about wanting their relievers to work multiple innings. Now, who's the guy that's more? Who's the guy that's built to do that kind of thing? The, well, former, the former starting starter. pitcher, yeah, the guy who in Colome, is, or the five foot nine reliever? Yeah, the guy who's just out of starting, which is Colome. He was starting as of last year, so he's perfect to be a two inning guy because he's all he's about a once through type of guy anyway. He doesn't have the experience. Whereas Farquhar has done it. Mm-hmm. Farquhar, you could argue Farquhar, the Mariners should have never signed Fernando Rodney. They should have just given it to Farquhar. They we were yelling have. about this. So, it, you know, so when I'm weighing these factors in, again, I threw him out at $2 and got him at $2. Uh, and that's where I ended up with him. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe he gets five saves for me. Maybe. It's, it's still five saves I wasn't going to get um, elsewhere. I mean, as much as I like as much as much I like May and Hendricks and, and Cecil, if I'm going to put all those guys together and I'm looking for saves, Farquhar's got the best chance of all of them. And that's why I threw him out and got him at two bucks. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I thought that was a good finish to your bullpen there. Again, I really like the starting roster. I think you also did a really good job in the reserves. There's four reserves, and you went with a very high upside rookie, a strong young pitcher, um, a decent bat who I think is a speed component in, in Ray Fuentes. And then the one that we gave you some love on earlier today, Daniel Nava. So let's start at the top. Bradley Zimmer is that high, high, uh, high upside prospect in that Cleveland outfield right now. It's still wide open. He's not going to start. He's not going to break camp or anything, but he could be up in short order, particularly if Cleveland competes. No, I'm not. Cut, not you, I'm not. You, cut. you cut a Cleveland Indian prospect last year and you have not let yourself get over it since then. And that was Francisco Lindor for those who don't remember. So do not cut Bradley Zimmer. Hang on to him. This guy's zooming through the minors. He's bypassed um, Clint Frazier as their best prospect. And he could come up and be doing damage. Like, like I said, in short order. Yeah, I, told you, I told you about in the lobby as I'm taking him with my first pick yes, in the reserve did. round. And if I had the fifth pick, cause I finished fifth last year. Well, somebody said, Kyle Zimmer. And I was like, I wasn't paying attention at first. I'm like, oh man. Oh wait, that was Kyle. I worried it would jog somebody's memory. That was the other thing I was worried about because Kyle Zimmer, I think was the second or third guy. And I was Oh, no. And then Wolf and Col- Colton took uh, Brinson to, to go with their Mazzaro, who they yeah. auctioned for a dollar, which was a genius move. And then I thought Erickson might go Bradley Zimmer. Thankfully, he needed some middle infield depth, and he went Tyler Saladino, and that left you to get Bradley Zimmer. So I love that. And I wasn't sure you were going to get your next guy on the way back, but thankfully you were picking ahead of Colton and Wolfman, and you were able to zing them by taking Nicholas Tropiano, who everybody on this podcast, um, whether they're on the air right now or not, so I'm including Eno is what I'm trying to say, uh, loves him. We're all Tropiano fans, so definitely big applause on that pick. I yeah, they, they, they in fact I, I believe 
because Rick walked over and handed me a beer and Foley's that night. I think that's what that was about. I think about. it was. He'll have to correct yes. me, but he walked over, handed me a beer and cheers and left. Uh, so it was, I mean, I have Tropiano in my home league as one of my keepers. He was a guy that I drafted last year after listening to Eno, but I wanted to have one starting pitcher down there because in case, um, you know, in case any of the other ones didn't work out or so I'm like, okay, if, if the, the save speculations didn't work out, I'm going to sit far and I'm going to throw, I'll throw a seventh starting pitcher in there and run up some more strikeouts, mm-hmm. try to do it something that way. Or if, uh, you know, Erasmo, we talked about earlier how he's probably going to get skipped a couple of times where I may look at it and say, okay, I'm going to put Erasmo on my bench. And I'm going to put Tro- if Tropiano's got one of the rotation spots. I'm going to throw Tropiano there and get the start out of him versus, you know, getting two innings of relief out of, out of Erasmo. So I wanted to have that. He's got big strikeout upside. I really like Tropiano. If, if that team's going to compete, it's going to be via the starting pitching and, and basically Mike Trout this year. Cause they just don't have a whole lot else. So I love Tropiano, uh, Ray, they have Nava. Uh, Nava was was another one. Uh, let me get to Fuentes first, and then we'll get to okay. Nava because Nava was your last pick, and he could end up being a starter at the top of the lineup. Uh, Ray Fuentes is a KC farmhand. Is that just a pure speed play, right? Yeah, because it looks like you know obviously Dyson's not going to make it to start the season. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then when you look at Fuentes, he's a guy that was he's been with the uh, the Red Sox and the and the Padres. He's stolen twenty five plus bases like each of the past a five years. Forties as well. I just was like, I'm looking at my li- part of the issue was there were four guys that, that where I picked Fuentes that particular round. There were four guys that I had listed. They all went one, two, three, four. I, I had just I had typed up a list of guys that I was looking for in the reserves. And uh, what was left, the, the, the four names that went before I took Fuentes were the four guys that I had ranked in front of him. I was like. Who's looking at my sheet? They're just directly I looking who at they your were, but It was like, wham, 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 wham. Like, are you kidding me? What are you doing, people? That's but it was like I had all four of those guys labeled, and they just kept taking them right under my nose. And I was like, ah, oh, this sucks. I was trying to look down at the sheet and see if it was still um, – uh, no, we don't. Oh, yeah, we have it. Hold on a second. It was – yeah, it was um, – let's see. That way, that way. Tim Anderson, Michael Givens, Will Venable, Jake Marisnik. So boom, I was boom, looking, boom, I was boom. specifically look, I was like, okay, Anderson will be my, my Lindor. He was gone. Oh yeah. Cause three of those are like speed Michael options. Givens, Michael Givens is a guy who I've talked about. I really like I'm um, coming out of the bullpen. He was gone. And I was like, okay, reserve outfielder. I'll get Will Venable. Nope. Rick and Glenn took him. And then I was like, okay, I'll get, I need a speed play. And then Jake Marisnik went and I was like, well, crap, I'm down to Ray Fuentes. So that's why he, he was just listed there for that particular reason. Um, I don't know how much run I'll get out of well, him. I mean, I, he, said, he may do something early, but right now, if everything plays out, I don't really have a roster spot for him to use. That's fine. So though, I'm, I'm, if you're, if, if my turn is, he's going to steal some bases. He's going to steal some bases on my bench. Well, what, if he turns into something, though, then he becomes a trade asset for you. Yeah. Because I mean, he yeah. had a really good season last year. He's only 25 years old, and so Ray Fuentes. We know that KC is going to they'll leverage a speed guy. So I, I, I did like that pick uh, when when you picked him up. And then let's talk about that last one because that might have been your best one of the bunch in terms of short term impact. And that's Daniel Nava. We gushed on you earlier today uh, when when uh, Eno and I spoke about him he's angling he pretty much got that left field job on lock right now just due to the fact that there's no other options but also because he's having a big spring and because of his OBP tendencies he could bat near the top of that lineup and just give you some cheap runs what is that what you were thinking there that he's going to get that left field job yeah I mean, when, I, when I was looking at the list what was left I mean I Daniel Donovan was at Tampa Bay last year and he looked pretty terrible for the most part brutal. and I was 
It was terrible. And then I heard he's going back to switch hitting this year, which I don't understand because he looks even worse from the right-hand side of the plate. But apparently he wants to, he wants to do it that way. But I looked at it saying, I'm, I'm okay, let me find somebody who, if I need to call them up, they're playing. And I'm like, this guy's projected to be a, in the opening day lineup on the strong side of the platoon with Craig Gentry. Yep. And we're in the fourth round of the reserves, and nobody's taken this guy yet. And that's pretty much what it came down and to. And at the is, top of the order in let front of have a bat. Let me, Yeah, let me have a bat um, that's going to play. And, and and so, again, that's really that's a guy that I may end up turning into a trade piece because he's going to have a tough time cracking, cracking my starting outfield unless Saunders breaks down again or something. Um, or it's a week uh, where Corey Dickerson's facing a bunch of left-handed pitchers, and I'm like, yeah, you're out. You're going to the bench, uh, and I'm going to pull somebody else in. Yeah, so I really like that. Again, think your team is really strong here. You went with a 160-100 split. You spent the second most on pitching, as you mentioned. Michaels, uh, Laura Michaels was tops. And again, your obvious trade partner here as the season wears on is going to be Steve Moyer, who hit a 248-12 split. Wade Miley. And the thing is, I liked his dollar pitchers. That's the thing. He was killing me. He was blowing through my reserve list. That's oh, the thing. Because he was took, up all y'all's reserve list. Oh, God. He took um, Manson. I was like, oh, he took Hutchinson. I was mad. Cecil. He took uh, Brett Cecil. And then somebody snuck in Shane. Was Shane Green a reserve Shane pick? Green, no, no. He was he was auctioned, and I think he actually went for two. Let me search him here real fast. Yeah, he went for two bucks to Chandler, which I obviously applauded. Oh, but I was that. out. Of, I was full on pitchers at the point. Yeah, he went with Shane Green late. I was like, no, because I remember telling somebody Shane Green's on my team. I am taking Shane Green back. I know he hurt me last year, but I'm taking him back. You gotta buy back. And I think I had filled my pitchers because I almost I was saving the final spot for Erasmo, and I almost took. I threw uh, Cletus out there. That's right. And you texted me, I almost used my Erasmo spot there. <laughs> I threw Cletus out. I was like, oh, no. And you guys got and a force. You shouldn't have even thrown Was it also Porcello? Was it also? Yes. No, maybe Porcello it was Porcello. Was maybe it was Yep. That's what it was. Yep, yep, yep. He was at, f- he was at five. I think you, were at a- you had him at four. And uh, thankfully, Patrick Davitt went to five. And you're like, oh, my God, I almost used my Erasmo yeah, spot. I was just going down the list, and I was like, I'd forgotten it was. Like, there's that spot. There, I have four dollars left. That's that was my Erasmo money, and then if the Erasmo if the Erasmo didn't happen, then that was going to be Shane Green money uh, or something like that. But whatever it was, it was going to be four dollars. Well, so you got saved. I, yeah, I think just like last year, I'm happy with the team. I I just need not screw it up. And that was your biggest concern. You know, we talked about it all winter. You said you want to be a better in season manager. Don't cut the guys that can be very helpful to you. So Bradley Zimmer make the trades early, bid 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 aggressively early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make the trades early rather than late. Don't bank on. You know, last year I thought, okay, I'm going to save my season by buying Ben Revere at the free agent wire, and he stole four bases. That was so crazy, thanks, though. Man. I think we all expected yeah. him to do a hell of a lot more, and he didn't. By the way, I didn't realize Patrick Davitt left 10 bucks on the table. That was pretty substantial. He was easily the most um, in the I didn't pay attention to who left money, but you know, the, he's been in the mixed league for a long time. And, you know, I would like to hear his thoughts on it. Maybe if he talks about it on the podcast, I don't know if he's going to write it up. Um, but yeah, there was a couple of times where I was surprised he didn't get in on some players. And then it felt like there was a point where he was trying to spend money and he had missed the boat uh, on a couple of things. What's interesting about that is he has two $38 players, Betts and Cabrera and Justin Upton at 30. So he spent the money early. It's not like he got caught not getting any of the stars. I wonder if he just wasn't aggressive uh, enough on some of his mid-tier guys, or maybe 
He just loved the guys that he got, and he got them at much cheaper prices. You know, it, it's one of those things where you, you don't ever want to leave money on the table, but sometimes I find this happening to myself in DFS where, you know, I've got like 2000 left, and I'll maneuver to get that money spent when I should have just kept the guys that I liked even though it was $2,000 less. Now, I understand DFS and season-long, not the same thing, but maybe it was a case where Davit got who he liked, and so he was comfortable even though he did leave those 10 bucks. Well, and he spent, you know, he spent 24 on Chu. Uh, the the $6 on Billy Butler, I think he would love to have back. Sure, and, and pair was... that with the other 10 and get $16 for some stud. Right, so that that's one of the ones I think where all of a sudden I'm like, if I'm him, I'm thinking, why did I just pay for Billy Butler? Maybe that's his Marwin Gonzalez. Like, there why did go. I do that? But at least yeah, you have so flexibility. Everybody, everybody, yeah, everybody makes a mistake. And then, you know, on the bench, um, he took Mikey Maddock. I just know the, the playing time path. He took Adam LaRoche in case he unretires. Jesus Montero in case he unsucks. And then uh, Tony Zitch. I like, I like Tony Zitch. He's a, yeah, he's a I, I like him too. That bullpen. Yeah, I like him too. And he's going to put Zitch in right away because it looks like Carson Smith's going to start on the DL. Oh yeah, that's 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 absolutely going to happen. That sucks for him. But I was reading something yesterday, last evening. There was you know, um, Lookout Landing had written a piece about um, where Carson Smith and I had missed this last year. The the actual piece about him hitting the wall, like they showed a point, like okay, his velocity's down and the results are going down. And then you know, Eno said he saw it using Josh Kalk's injury zone finder, and like maybe the Red Sox missed it. And oh, then wow. I, I tweeted back at him. I'm like, you know, maybe that's why. They got Carson Smith at such a discount because when we all thought it was crazy, like hell, that's cheap. Yeah, maybe that's why it was cheap because maybe they had seen it too. But you know, when he came out of the game at the first, they said, "Oh, it's just a forearm cramp." And now they're saying it's a tech uh, flexor flexor strain. strain. That's the bad one. Yeah, it's the same same crap they said about uh, a about uh, a about um, Alex Cobb too. Yeah, and Carter Caps, and so that that's not the one you want to hear. Um, so that's going to wrap up the AL. We're not going to spend nearly as much time, obviously, on the NL because neither of us were in it. But I just want to get some of your thoughts. Again, you ran the chat. You've been in that room a whole bunch. So it's, it's almost like you're in the league because you've been a part of it. You know those players as well. So let's get a general overview. And then I want to talk about a couple teams uh, of what they did. Anything that you notice in the NL that is starkly different from the AL? Well, yeah, the fact that... Yeah, you know, there were a couple of Moyers. There were a lot of one dollar pitchers. Tons, a lot. Tons. I mean, I think there. I think I'm looking at. Um, I don't have the play. I'm, I got to scroll up a little bit to look at the team names. But I remember at the end, I'm like, wow. So like, Gilfoyle bought five of them, and and Phil Hertz bought six, and then Melnick always buys a bunch. But everybody's got a dollar pitcher. But we've got we've got three teams with at least five of them or four of them. I'm sorry. I'm counting so, all right now. I'm, I'm up, okay. I'm up yeah, to see your 24. There are 25 $1 pitchers in the NL. That's, that's, that's heavy. I mean, here with the NL is, as I said, if you know your room, you know that Lenny Melnick is going to buy a lot of big outfielders because he always does. Now he's won this league with the strategy. Absolutely. Um, and you know, Lenny's not going to buy closers because he never buys them. Um, I think the last time he bought one is when, when he and, uh, Paul Greco were a teammate. They were they were teammates together, uh, and I think that's the last time I've seen a Lenny team roster a closer. But he doesn't buy him. So then you've got to factor in. Okay, you know Lenny's gonna, you know, in this one he bought. It was pretty. I want to see how this all plays out. But he bought Cole Fernandez and Grinky. I mean, he bought three of the top 
what, six, eight starters? Yeah, it's really uh, hot. And Al, he bought three of those, and he dollared out the rest of his staff, but he also loaded up his outfield, uh, and then he went cheap up the middle uh, and went risky – you know, risky at the, at the corner and dollar just catchers again, which he always does. Absolutely, he doesn't so pay for closers know, or yeah, catchers. Catchers, you know where you know where that's going to be. And then you look at you know you look at Derek Carty, who you know who's going to pay for for um, for Kershaw. Kershaw. At least he paid more He's than at, he did in labor. Well, that was the whole goal because when I I set up my computer. And I said, um, hey, uh, he wasn't in the room. I'm like, folks, if you let him walk out of here, I'm paying 40 bucks. You're an idiot. You guys are clowns, you know? for real. So And so yeah, they pay 41 but Because he said on the labor radio in Arizona that he would pay 47 That's the thing. So they you, probably should have still yeah. gone higher than the 41 and I, I was talk, Yeah, and I was talking to Jeff and Eric, uh, Jeff and, and Chris about this. I'm like, I can't believe he still went for 41 I said, what's the worst thing in the world if you go to 43 and he doesn't go to 44? You get stuck with the best pitcher in the universe. Bummer. Ta-da. You know, ta-da. They, that, that's <laughs> kind of what I was getting at. So, again, it's no secret what he liked. And then – you know, that's kind of one of the things that stood out to me. And then, uh, you know, Gray Albright from Rasball the first time he was in. I thought for a rookie he did really well. Early on he was spending. It kind of reminded me of my first year. You know, I, I bought like – I think I bought seven of the first 25 guys. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a cap in this oh, league. Oh, I don't have you know, unlimited like money. That. Okay, okay. So I thought he did well except like at the end he ended up getting Scooter Jeanette. And, I, and you know, we were looking. I was talking in the chat room with Mike Lombardo. Who, Mike Lombardo – for people who don't know, used to be a, a annual player in Tout. He want, he used to be like the Tristan Cockroft of Tout Wars. Like he was winning this crap every year. Yep. He was just dominating the NL. Um, and he was like, he should have been taking Jose Peraza there because he had money to spend at the time. He didn't do it. He filled the roster spot with Jeanette, and he probably could have taken Peraza. He got and I five think bucks on the board. Yeah, I see. He like, he had eight bucks and he threw the Jeanette out instead of. Uh, Instead of Peraza, I think Peraza went for eight, but I would that would be one of the cases where you throw him out at eight bucks. If you don't get him, then you move on to the next guy. Um, but I thought he did, drafted a good team. Um, you know, watching watch and you know we talked earlier about the the articles over at Tout Wars. Go read Mike Gianella's article. Yes, that we got to talk about that team. That was the most interesting that. one. That was just weird to watch. I mean, for if you look at his sheet, folks, he's got four catchers. He's got four p- players that qualify catchers, so he drowned the pool there. Um, but he didn't spend more than $18 on any one player, and it was not by design. No, no, no. I mean, he came in. It was really good. I read it this morning on the airplane. Yeah, he came in ready to spend on some guys. He's just not going to go too far above his values. He might go a dollar, but he's not going to go two, three, four bucks above his values on anybody. And he stayed committed to his values, Gianella did. And it reminded everybody a lot of um, Chris Liss at AL Labor last year. Same thing where – I'm not going to go for the big guys. If you guys are going to push them $4 beyond my value, I'll just take these bargains in the in the teens area. And like you said, he didn't go over 18 for anybody, and he only went under 5 for one guy. That was his $1 Taylor Youngman. So in the end, how did you like how it turned out? Because you mentioned the four catchers, Jonathan Lucroy, Yasmani Grandal at 32 uh, total. Derek Norris, now his first baseman at 12 bucks, And then Miguel Montero, his uh, utility at 11 bucks. So, I mean, the the LaCroix Grandal thing I'm cool with. The Norris thing, sure, he qualifies at first, but he's only going to play 70 to 75% of the games that everybody else's first baseman is going to play. Yeah, because he doesn't so, play first as much as somebody like a Posey. Correct. Or he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't even play as much first base as I stare down, you know. Uh, you know, Brandon Moss is going to play more games than him. You know, that kind of, and Brandon Moss is the same price as Derek Norris. Okay. 
right? So that that kind of thing. And then, you know, I remember him taking Montero. I don't. I remember him taking Montero when he did, but I think there were other bats that would have come out. He was a little. At, yeah, it was late, and I, I think there were better ones that that we might have liked. But I'm actually big on Montero this year, so I didn't hate it. Um, I know I know not everybody loved it, but I kind I just kind of liked the the manipulation of it with the four with the four catchers, kind of what it did yeah. to everybody else. I do like pushing that. Um, I mean, on the pitching side, I like the I like the arms that he was able to grab with the prices. The pat, I, I don't like this Casilla thing at all. I thought that was a, a waste of nine dollars. I mean, I, I don't think that's a job he holds. Yeah, I'm not a Casilla uh, guy. I think I made that. Uh, Romo and Romo went cheap in this one too. Everybody else went. I think Romo Romo went two dollars. Strickland was only four. Yeah, Strickland was four, but Romo was two dollars to Brian Walton. I thought that was an excellent buy uh, at the time, and I said so in the chat room. But if I, Mike's staff looks really good. That's the only weak spot that I can find mm-hmm. on his staff. But that staff's going to have to max perform. That's um, true. Because... He's going to need Wainwright to stay healthy. He's going to need Mats to be solid for at least like 150, 160 innings. I like Shelby Miller at 11. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I am a Shelby Miller guy compared to the industry. Yeah. Uh, I like, I like everything else about it. that staff's going to have to max perform. And um, then the other issue you, fall, you look at there is wins. Where is he going to – I mean, I, this is the same cr- criticism I have of, of Tristan. I mean, and these two – these two the, the, the two names we're talking about are the guys that have won this league over the past four years, Tristan three years and then Mike last That's year. That's true, so maybe but, we shouldn't be throwing stones. So, I mean, when we look at it, we look at a staff of Aaron Nola, Jared Eikhoff, and Taylor Youngman playing, you know, three pitchers playing for two of the worst teams in the league. And then you look at Tristan Cockroft, who apparently is a closet Reds fan. <laughs> because Jeff he's got Iglesias, Dusty Sclafini, uh, John Lamb, Jumbo Diaz. You know, he's got all of these Reds. Um, and it worked out well for him that Brandon Marr is going to the bullpen. That actually enhances his value. But my concern, you don't want you don't chase wins in the draft anyhow, but when, you know, when you You've got you know, that many pitchers tied into bad teams. He's got to hope that Jake Arrieta maxes out his wins. I will say though, it's going to be really tough for him to to find them. We already mentioned. And he's got Jose. Go ahead. No, Sorry. no, I was going to say we already mentioned their credentials, um, but even beyond the credentials, just these two as in-season managers, they're among the tops of who I worry least about having a, a perceived hole yes. coming out of the draft. I just I, I feel like they'll address it. They're two of the savviest owners in this entire industry. So they're the anti-me. <laughs> they're the anti-us because both of us feel like we need to work on our in-season management. So um, yeah, I think that they'll what both be able to work. We should it. draft. We should draft for them, and they should run our team. There we go. We, if we get a partnership and we'll say, hey, we'll draft, and then you guys just run the whole drafting. thing. I love drafting. That's the best part. It's obviously the very best part so i don't think they'd agree to that um but you know i, I, I it was interesting i wonder if cockroft was mad that gianella got robert stevenson on his on his bench there because uh cockroft was saying hey i got i'm supposed to have all these reds pitchers man what are you doing taking my guy but i i did like that for uh for gianella. i actually i actually had to participate in the draft because i was standing next to him i wrote jumbo diaz down at index card and I'm like, why? I just wrote Jumbo. He looked at me like, yeah, I know. And I was like, okay, I'm just looking. Like, why has nobody said everybody else had gone in this draft at this point? People were drafting stiffs. And I'm like, something happened to him that I didn't know about? Maybe everyone thinks J.J. Hoover is some lockdown closer now? He went seven bucks. I mean, but... listen, he's got the job right now, but we've done this before. We've been through this with J.J. Hoover. And I think he gave up like nine grand slams in in two weeks and, and was out of the job in no time. So I, 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 I Romo, Romo, Diaz, they both went late, late, late in this. Combined three um, bucks. Corey Nebel went late. Ever, I remember the Adam Warren. Whoever took Adam, Adam Warren went three. And that was late. And I was like, that was a really nice I pick. I loved the Warren pick. 
that was I forgot who whoever took him at three bucks doubled up on catchers. Um, it was the guy who got real mute when uh, oh, Darno still hurts. hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved the loved the Warren pick when he made it. I don't know who um, in my NL only league listens to this, but I'll tell you right now, you ain't getting Adam Warren. Don't even try. <laughs> don't even bid me up. I'll punch you. Right so now. yeah, that was uh, really curious to see how those two uh, you know handled the drafts because. You know, Tristan was didn't like it. He kept saying, I don't like this. This is the risk. I heard him on the radio afterwards saying this is the riskiest offense I've ever put together. He's got uh, Puig, who, Puig you know, and, Piscotti yeah. and Conforto are risks because they're young. Same with they Baez, Russell. They got Keon Broxton. I like that Broxton pick again. He, that, was, that was one of the other things I said. The Keon Broxton pick came out really late. And he got him, and then Jabari Blash for a dollar to Scott Wilderman. I can't believe Blash didn't. And people had money. This wasn't a dollar day pick. He threw out Blash, and nobody else. I said don't know that folks are on him. I think they kind of miss that he's this big power source who went out to uh, to San Diego there as a Rule Five. Maybe some are just seeing Kyle Blank's 2.0, but I don't know. He's already got three or four homers in spring. He's going to have a, a, some playing time. I kind of like Blash as well. I took him in one of my draft and hold 50 50 rounders. Um, I'm hoping to get some some cheap pop out of him. And so I have to embarrass myself because you, you'll know that you'll remember this at the so at the NL auction, folks. I've been so focused on the AL. Well, there's about six times I looked at you and I was <laughs> who the hell's the that? <laughs> See, now Jabari Blash, I know, you know, but there were a couple other like the Scott whoever Shebler? Schnell, yeah, Shebler, yeah. Like, who is? It? And then the 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 Ray pitcher for the Padres. I couldn't oh yeah, Colin out Ray. You're like, who, Colin Ray, I'm thinking that? of the, I'm thinking of the guy from uh, um, no Colin Ray, I'm thinking of the musician that was in Men at Work. That's the lead hilarious. singer. That's Colin Ray. So I'm thinking, wait a second, what? Uh, so yeah, there were about six guys. I was like, man, I, I have an NL draft. Thankfully, it's next weekend, but this was uh, good it's April third. But I was like, man, I need to go back and read some of these other names because I got the deep sleepers and the normal guys. But there were some like guys at the end game. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I'll tell you what though. And obviously you're, you're, you're taking the hit on yourself and I, I, that's fine, but I'll protect you a little bit by saying it's this NL pool that sucks so hard that some of these guys like a Scott Shebler, who should be like a two, three dollar guy is a $10 guy by necessity because that's the NL pool and you have to spend your money. And I thought it was even more evident in labor in that middle tier where these guys were going for, you know, between 10 and $15. A lot of guys that you're like, no way they should be six to $7 cheaper, but that's just how the NL pool is. So if you are in an NL only league, don't get too freaked out if you got to spend the money there because you don't want to leave $15 on the table. It's better to get these guys who are going to have playing time. Where's Tuffy go switch when you need him? Right. Did he even get picked? No, he didn't. I can't no, believe it. Didn't. Well, I he guess didn't. I guess nobody who, nobody's going to win the league then until they pick him up off of waivers. That's ridiculous yeah. that Tuffy go switch didn't even get picked. By the way, I was surprised that Julio Urias didn't go in the auction. He was the uh, first-round reserve pick. Yeah. I just thought for sure somebody would want to get him for a buck. But... You would think the way Dodgers pitchers are falling like flies. Oh, yeah. We have, we have to mention what, what Mr. Cardi did. Not only did he get Scott Cat. Uh, Scott Catherine, who cares? Not only did he get Clayton Kershaw, but he got the entire Dodgers rotation. He literally got Kershaw, Casimir, Maeda, Wood, Bolsinger. Now, obviously, Bolsinger's uh, slated to go to the DL, so he doesn't technically have the opening day five. But I thought that that was interesting. I doubt it was a plan going in, but what do you think of well, he that? Said it was for, he said it was for pitch framing. He said he valued uh, yes, Oh, because it's Rondell. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it was a plan. What, what do you think it about that? Is that plan. something that you would do? I'd do it. I'd do it uh, if I were in the AL and the Indians. 
Yeah, that's true. I would have no problem. I would have Except no problem I take buying those four. No, I wouldn't take him. I would but take I would, Kluber. I would, I would buy four of them. Yeah, Kluber, Carrasco, uh, Salazar, and Bauer. Yes, I would. Yeah, I'd buy those four. But other than that, eh. and then of course I would, I would probably pay for Archer, Odorizzi, more, and and. Uh, um, Erasmo Smiley. and Smiley. or Erasmo. I, I yeah, could do that I could with do all five of them. I don't even think you're a Homer. Fan. That's I, me being a race fan, but I could buy all five of them too. No, like I said, I don't even think you're a Homer. It's just one of the best pitching staffs in the league. So uh, I, could buy, I could buy that trio for. I could probably buy those five starters for sixty bucks. You could buy them for cheaper than the Dodgers because they don't have a Kershaw. That's right. Well. I think that's going to wrap it up. That's NL and AL Tout. I will post a link to the to the draft boards if you guys want to check them out. We will definitely be talking about Jason's team throughout the season. Again, tomorrow, well, I guess— You guys are managing it for me. <laughs> yeah, that's we got to hire a manager. Somebody who wants to run who wants to run Jason's team. Do not cut Bradley Zimmer and do not cut Ray Fuentes, who will be this year's Gerard Dyson for you. Um, just hang on to those guys, let them do their thing, and then they'll come up and be studs for you in the middle of the season. But no, we'll definitely be following that. Uh, keep an eye on. You know what? It's got to be Colette's Shepherd Pie next year at Foley's. Man. That's right. It's got to be. It was really cool to see that that special menu that they make for the champions. Each of them get a food item. Uh, we saw our former colleagues from BP, including Mike Gianella, get their get their food on there. That was really cool. Of course, um, I think Fred Zinke was also on there. Adam Ronis, and I can't remember who else was on there. So it was Brett Sayer, Mike Gianella, Fred Zinke, Adam Ronis, and somebody else that I'm missing. Sorry to whomever that is. But is it Charlie? Oh yeah, I think it was Charlie Weger. Yep. Who wasn't there, but yeah, yeah, he wasn't there, but yes, that he was the other one. So we got to both get on that list next year. I don't know what I would pick, but you've already got your shepherd's pie picked out because I love shepherd's pie. Now here comes the hard part. We just got to manage the six months and dominate our, our competition and come home with the trophy. And, and so we'll do that. We'll be talking about it all year. Jason, I got to let you get some sleep. I got to get some more sleep myself. I'm not quite at a hundred percent, but I'm getting there, but then I'll be back with Jeff Zimmerman tomorrow again to talk the head to head Tout Wars auction, which was crazy. So I think it's best that the two guys who were in the draft talk about it because, like you said, you don't have a read on the values because it was it's so different than anything anybody's done that I think it is just way better to have people who were in it talk about it because looking at it from afar, you'll make judgments that it's just too hard to judge unless why'd you spend $47 on Bryce Harper? Oh, okay. And you look at the rest and you're like, Oh, okay. Kind of makes sense because it had to be a stars and scrubs thing. And I went stars with, with the hitting. So I'll dive deep into that tomorrow. Uh, Jason, we'll probably be back on Sunday talking about some sort of baseball, but until then, take care.